Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season 8 of Game of Thrones is underway, and you can stay up to date with the Ringer staff as we make our way through the final episodes of the series. On the podcast side, listen to Binge Mode Game of Thrones with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, and a pre-capable series on the Recapables feed where we'll make predictions on episodes to come. In addition to our Sunday night Twitter after show called Talk the Thrones, our YouTube channel has tons of other Game of Thrones related content, which you can find at youtube.com slash the ringer. And for even more Thrones coverage, head over to the ringer.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rick Capables Killing Eve. I'm Allison Herman. I'm here with Kate Hallowell. Hello, hello. Kate was but 10 rows from her <laughs> husband, Harry Styles. We had a moment where, it was a Villanelle and Eve moment, where I was like staring behind him and he didn't know I was there. <laughs> There's a lot of that vibe in this episode. And so it feels like the proper aura for us. I just wanted to say thank you for recuperating sufficiently that you could be here. You're so welcome. It Your was priorities tough. are truly in the right place. Thank you. Thanks. It was tough, but I made it. Yes, We're so here. we are here, you are here, uh-huh. to talk about The Hungry Caterpillar, the third episode of the second season of Killing Eve. Thank goodness we are, there's so much to discuss. Yeah, I would say we like to have fun on this podcast. We, we so do. That's a fair description. <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily call this the most fun episode, Uh huh. but it was certainly eventful. It was extremely eventful. I think it was pretty fun. It was fun as opposed to like the last two, I think, which were kind of like setting the table for the new season. Yes, it was definitely the meatiest. It's just also because of that, like a lot of stuff with higher stakes than right. Villanelle's fun interlude in a hospital for sure, happens. For sure. There's a lot to get through, but bite-sized, 280 characters or less. What's your review of this episode? My review of this episode is sometimes an apple is just an apple. And sometimes it's a psychosexual message left for you by your insane assassin girlfriend. It's hard to tell. You know, you never know. You never know, which (laughs) feeds into my review, which is just spies aren't built to be married, are they? It would seem not. So this was a very tough episode for the Nico-Eve union. Yeah. But I also do not think it is a coincidence that it is offhandedly mentioned at one point that Carolyn has been married three times. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. we know of. A lot of tension in her personal life. And yes. It seems to and be. Is, is notably not currently married. Right. So right. I don't know if this is the lifestyle you want if you want to be going to your teacher husband's six o'clock work drinks. Feels like no. I'm going to say that's a no. But yeah. yeah, it was a tough one for Eve in general. Yeah. I mean, a better episode for Villanelle, which might be related to one another. Right. We'll probably yeah. t- we'll parse that out. Yes. But before we get to the various interpersonal developments, we're just going to debut a section this time called Plot Corner, which we're just designating as, like, this is where the espionage developments go. Yes. It's not, like, our number one priority. I don't think it's the show's number one priority, which but is it, nice, which we support mostly. We're it, more into the, you know, flashy outfits. It is we'll the thinly into. veiled excuse yes. for why we are here. Right, 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 right. So just on, like, Eve's investigation side of things, we mm-hmm. learned this episode that the ghost, although the 12 admire her work, is not actually an employee of the same organization. Right. So they're kind of, you get the vibe that they're half competing with her and half, like, scouting her a little bit. 
And, like, kind of, like, trying to figure out either how to stop her or how to make her work for them, right? Was that the vibe that you got? Yes. I mean, another thing we find out this episode is that apparently there is a market for, like, freelance assassins. Yeah, we're going to get into that later. So, I don't know if there's, like, assassin LinkedIn, like, yeah. how this is organized. But <laughs> apparently, yeah, there's just, like, a whole parallel professional universe that has, like, multiple employers, which— Eventually, it's going to, like, expand and connect to the John Wick universe. We're going to be like, there's a hotel for them. They I mean, there's meet literally up. a hotel in this episode. <laughs> right, right. Actually, I would literally kill something to have Ian McShane on this show saying things like, excommunicado. Just speak it into the universe. <laughs> Just, yeah, right now. Yes, thank you for actualizing that. Yes. So we also find out that Villanelle's target um, in this episode, which, again, we're going to expand on his operatic murder later but his target that she kills at the beginning was a hedge fund guy who wanted to acquire the peel company um and alistair peel was the one who was murdered during his pedicure in the last yes also speaking of how like plot is not necessarily this show's main concern Mm -hmm. at one point eve is like what does the peel company do and her co-worker (laughs) is just like everything on the internet yeah everything you care about on the internet is what they want it's just like extremely precise and descriptive (laughs) illumination of these targets but yeah basically that means peel was murdered at the behest of someone who's not the 12, but the 12 also doesn't want someone to acquire his company. Right. Not a large amount of time is dedicated to this, uh-huh. but we figured we should just check into yeah. it before we get into the meteor stuff. Yes. Like Eve's non-existent work-life balance. It's extremely <laughs> skewed right now. It is not balanced. She, uh, poor Nico. Again, I just want to say we're extremely pro-Nico on this podcast. This episode has not changed that. There was some tension there, but again, we support Nico. Yeah, I think this episode is maybe where my protect Nico allegiances have taken me to the point where I think maybe it is in Nico's best interest that he is not married to someone. Yes, I would agree. This is not working out for either of them. Um, so the first the first event kind of that is a problem is that Eve walks in and realizes she forgot Nico's work drinks. Yeah, I, is this like the first time we actually learn what Nico does for a I, living? I could not remember him being a teacher before now. So uh, math, maths. Maths. Another or, little Eve Britishism. <laughs> maths. Maths teacher. Uh-huh. I guess like middle school age. I don't think elementary schoolers have yeah. to worry about Pythagoras. Yeah. I think in the last episode, she was like, oh, I want to make another complaint or something. Was Maybe. that in the last one too? I feel I like just they think, hinted at his job in the last one. I just well. think it's very telling that we are now on the like eleventh episode of this right. show, and we are just finding out. Yeah, we all, we care as much as Eve does, apparently, which is not much. So yeah, she forgets his work drinks for the third year running. Basically, he's pissed about that, and then he's like, but it's okay. Like, I know you're busy. Again, very understanding. He really has a lot of patience. Yeah, it seems like this is also a dynamic that has predated the Villanelle thing, right. that she's just oh, not yeah. very interested she's in his life. scatterbrained. Not, it doesn't really go both ways. He's a little more concerned, I think, for her job. Yes, he supports her, not so much the other way around. Yes. And then in the beginning of the episode, we also have a moment where she makes him breakfast in bed. This looks delicious. What is it? An omelet. I think, like, maybe the biggest indication we've got of what an amazing, supportive husband he is who performs so much emotional labor is that, like, quote-unquote omelet is literally the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. It is worse than the completely raw chicken that Eve tried to feed him last episode. Not a great run for her, baking-wise, cooking-wise. And he's just like, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. Uh Uh-huh. 
and <laughs> does not eat a single bite of it. Yeah. Which is probably good because I would be concerned for his safety if he right. does. Oh, and he's also like, did you murder someone? And she doesn't realize it's a joke. And yeah. it's like, maybe I Extremely kind of tried to. Extremely possible. So they also have, at the actual work drinks, there's this woman, Gemma, who's has a crush on Nico, is flirting with him. Villanelle's kind of trying to manipulate that. But she's talking to Eve. She meets Eve for the first time and does, like, this flood of compliments, you know, where she obviously is, like, jealous of her, but also trying to seem really normal and really supportive of their relationship. And she's talking about how they were imagining Eve to be all these other different jobs and this amazing person because they've never met her because she's forgotten this event three years in a row. And Eve says, she sounds better than your actual wife. And Nico goes, oh, she is. <laughs> Yikes. Just a little throwaway little bit from Nico there. Totally justified. <laughs> yes. So all of this rapidly goes into the toilet when mid... Well, first of all, Eve just like blatantly provoked by jealousy after... Declining to have sex with her husband right. that morning. Right. Much like a middle school child that Nico teaches when uh-huh. she sees that someone else wants her husband. Uh-huh, wants to play like, with her toy. <laughs> yes, let me jump your bones in this classroom. Yeah. Do some role play. Yeah, not great. But then... Um, so then she is kind of like all up on him on the desk, looks down, sees an apple on the desk. Uh oh. <laughs> so she saw the apple in Gabriel's hand. Um, yeah. In the last that apple had a bite taken had a out bite of taken it. Out it of was it. very posed. Yes. So she made the connection that like this was a sign that Villanelle was sending her. This time she just looks down and sees an unmarked, just a regular old apple. A very normal thing to be in a classroom. Totally normal. Immediately freaks out and is like, it's a sign from Villanelle. And is like, we need to leave, and I'm going to pull the fire alarm, thereby ruining this entire event. Evacuating everyone from the building. And just of all the things to assign significance to, like an apple, just like, Eve, like, just take a breath. Not everything is a sign. Unfortunately, in this case, like, a lot of things are signs. Yeah, she was. At, it's still not clear whether that specifically was planted by Villanelle. Right. But... Villanelle was indeed She was there. In attendance. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to say this later, but the problem is that, like, Eve is always right. Villanelle just always escapes anyway. And then it looks like Eve is wrong. Yeah, it's like she <laughs> she's a very talented spy, but not in a way that anyone else except Villanelle can appreciate. Right, 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 right. Yeah, she's like so tuned into how she thinks and how she works, but then Villanelle just always slips up and then it looks like Eve is bad at her job. Yeah, and then Nico points out, this is literally the only time you've shown up to support me in my place of employment. And you've somehow managed to make it all about you and your job. Yeah, and then he's like, maybe you should just go. Which, honestly, Nico is, like, a good way to move forward in good every aspect of your relationship. Although it is, like, a straight-up dick move to be like, hey, see that person yeah. that, who was blatantly flirting with me earlier? I'm going to go talk to her uh-huh. in front of you. So yeah. in that brief moment, I did sympathize with Eve. Yes. But then also later when Eve is like staring at him in his sleep and you <laughs> you realize that his total, his nightmares, his darkest thoughts are just about like alphabetical filing. <laughs> Extremely relatable. Exactly. The most relatable. Lots of, lots of great like little workplace moments on this show. Yes. That was truly, it's like, oh, someone has a normal job and actually worries about it. Right. Um, but Eve isn't just being a shitty person to the person she's married to. No, no. She's, she's also spreading being, it around. <laughs> Poor Kenny. Oh, she's being a dick to Kenny, and we're even more pissed about it than we are Nico. Literally, how dare you? This is so rude. How do you look at his adorable little face and his little shorts and, like, his socks that are pulled up too far and be a dick to that 
face. This is and really socks. This is like maybe the hardest episode for Kenny yet. Yeah. I mean, his own mother was just like, yeah, I've been hedging my bets and don't actually care about him that much. It's horrible. Extremely tough episode for Kenny. In the eventuality that maybe he is murdered in our line of work that I brought him into. Horrible. It's horrible. We're going to get into that scene later because I have a lot of thoughts. But Eve basically walks up to Kenny and is like, do this. And he's like, that's a bad idea. I don't want to. And she's like, do it. I'm your boss. And then he's just like, okay. And like walks away. And then later he's like, I thought you were different. From uh-huh. my mom and other various and sundry spies, but you are not. And then she literally cannot even muster a response. She's like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this because, and just like goes in a loop. It's just like, because, 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 because she's obviously <laughs> doing it for herself. Why right. else would she be pursuing her assassin girlfriend across the continent? Yeah, this is a line that honestly I was like, this is big. Like, being a dick to Kenny is too far, and you need to back the fuck up. Being out. a dick to Kenny in order to bribe Constantine with the location of his family members. Uh-huh. Just to find your girlfriend who you tried to stab, who, like, low-key wants to murder you and your husband. I don't It's Yeah. I mean, that ice-cold, like, oh, they're not even that far away. Don't you want to yeah. know? She really crossed the line. She's going to the dark side, man. She is. And we get sort of the climax of that in the hotel where she's just kind of, like, losing it straight up. She, like, comes in with all these MI6 people. Yeah, Constantine has told her this ratty hotel in the middle of London where the 12 apparently keeps their assets, and Villanelle has been headquartered while she is conducting her business in town. And so Eve takes all her MI6, whatever the British equivalent of a SWAT team is, Uh and they bust in. And Villanelle's there. Again, Eve is right. And she knows she's there, and she, like, senses somehow that she's in this room at the end of the hall. And she just escapes by, like, the skin of her teeth. They bust down the door. She's not there. Um, She literally has just left, like, out the window. But it looks like Eve was wrong. Yes. This is one of many scenes where (laughs) Eve has arrived to find the villain Uh that was literally just departed. Right. And she's there with Jess and Hugo. She's, like, freaking out. She, like, like, chugs a shot from the minibar. Yes. This is not, like, a normal (laughs) reaction to a professional disappointment. Like, maybe you kick a wall. Maybe you, like, yell a little bit and are a little bit snappy. You do not raid the hotel minibar and just immediately chug, like, several (laughs) shots of vodka to calm yourself down. And poor Jess and Hugo, primarily Jess, who's been, like, pregnant Jess, who's been dragged along, just consummate professional, just here ready to support, like, find this assassin, save innocent lives, do her job and she has to deal with fucking Eve Palastri like chasing after her girlfriend and I just feel bad for her I'm like just poor Jess I have decided that I think they're gonna go the whole season without mentioning Jess is pregnant I like that I I think that would be like an extremely baller move and I support it but I also support if they find a cool way to integrate it yeah we'll see so far it doesn't really look like that's gonna happen Jess quits because of Eve's horrible (laughs) conduct oh yeah Jess who we also find out this episode is like an ex- mentee of Carolyn's. Yeah. She was, like, majoring in Arabic and, like, Carolyn recruited her. Which implies a time where Eve will no longer be the apple of Carolyn's eye. It does. Which this episode suggests is going to be sooner rather than later. It really does. So, scene of the week. There were some fun ones. There were also just, like, some fun little, like, throwaways. Yeah, I... My nominee for scene of the week was just we finally get Villanelle, like, out in the field playing dress-up again. <laughs> we add a new accent to Jodie Comer's extremely <laughs> intimidating repertoire. Yes. She, she can do Irish as well. Incredible. What can she do? Nothing. 
And she corners a financier in an elevator, grabs his tie. He tells her it's Hermes. She, I feel like there's literally like nothing more offensive to Villanelle in the world than counterfeit fashion. So, <laughs> so she true. immediately strangles him. And uh. was this is like the Villanelle version of boring and discreet is strangling someone with an elevator. Uh-huh. She did, yeah. She moved all the cameras. But this is perfect. Where is it from? Hermes. No, it's not. It's a fake. Stop! There's just something really fun about, you know, she's been, like, critically injured the last two weeks, and to see her kind of at her full powers, doing something kind of goofy, and, like, the writers clearly have a lot of fun staging it. And then, of course, you get that amazing Jodie Comer facial transformation where we know Villanelle likes to look her targets in in the eyes as they Uh die. But this time she can't do that. So instead, she you just see her give like a little smirk and then also just like a little like yikes face <laughs> as she's walking out of the building. Such great facial work by Jodie Comer in this episode. Just little like I laughed out loud multiple times at just like things that her eyes were doing and like her little facial expressions. Just so many of them. Our ringer colleague, Danny Chow, sent me, has never seen an episode of the show and just sent me a gif this weekend of like, her in the car with Julian, and as her face kind of goes from, like, resigned to, like, disgusted to just, ugh. (laughs) And he was just, like, this single-handedly made me want to watch the show. Yep, that's the correct reaction. My nominee for Scene of the Week was the scene with Carolyn and Constantine in the kitchen, which we have—we've had very, very few scenes on the show that aren't either from, like, Eve or Villanelle's perspective or at least, like, involving them in some way. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I'm, I was trying to think when you brought this up. It's like we've seen glimpses of Carolyn and Villanelle having some kind of meaning. Yeah. But we very much experience this entire world through the point of view of these two characters. Right. And Carolyn and Constantine, like, serve very similar kind of mentor-supervisor roles to Mm -hmm. them. And it's really interesting to see them outside of that. Yeah, so they had this scene where they were, you know, laughing it up and, like, eating together. And they started having this very serious conversation where Constantine's like, where's my family? Carolyn's like, I'm not going to tell you. Don't ask me again. And she just, like, flips from, like, goofy and laughing to, like, extremely serious and, like, don't fuck with me, which is incredible, and I love her. But they have this conversation about families and having Kenny work with her and we alluded to this earlier but she says I've always been careful and Constantine's like about loving your child and she just says yes and like you just are waiting for her to respond and you're like don't fucking say yes like that's not what you mean but it is yeah they really vibrate on the same frequency although I also think you get a little more insight into Constantine like Constantine is someone who is not necessarily as in control of his emotions as Carolyn is. Right. We actually, maybe now would be a good time to play this clip. The monologue that gives this episode its name is Constantine talking to Eve about Villanelle and, like, what she does to people. She's a parasite, Eve. She gets into your brain. She eats you up to make space for herself. Like that book uh, with the hungry worm and all that food. Pickles, tomatoes... The Hungry Caterpillar? Yes. That's her. Pickless. <laughs> what, what an adorable. But yeah, like, the, the full speech, which is pretty serious, is like, you think she loves you, then make her hate you. Hate is something she understands. It's manageable. Look at what happens to the people she loves. She'll love you to death. Look at Anna and Nadia and look at me. Yeah. And yet by the end of the episode, he is once again with Villanelle. 
Right. Yeah. He very clearly has not been careful with his feelings for Villanelle, which obviously he has sort of like daughter-like feelings towards her. And yeah, it's just like a very interesting contrast between Carolyn and Constantine and how they've sort of gone about these figures in their lives. Yes. And also the scene takes place in Carolyn's, frankly, breathtaking kitchen. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Yeah, we've never really seen this part of her house before. There are a couple scenes in the kitchen. This time around with, like, this huge, like, window. Yes. And, like, this amazing light. Glass panel, wood table. <sighs> Just what a beautiful place to eat your breakfast in the morning. I'm obsessed with Carolyn. We're going to come back to her, as She's we always taste. do. Yeah, and we have a few. So in addition to this Carolyn and Constantine scene, there are two, like— a couple very small bits that we wanted to highlight. Mostly just Villanelle, like, almost, almost, almost coming into contact with Eve. Right. Again, this is the me staring at Harry Styles energy. <laughs> so the first one is when Eve is at the event, and she's looking for Villanelle because she's seen the apple. She thinks she's there. She accepts that she's not there and that it was just in her head. And as she sort of, like, resigned and, like, her shoulders slumped, we see Villanelle come up behind her, slow motion, drop something into her purse, look at her, sort of like, be like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with you. Like, be pulled towards her and then walk away. Yeah, I honestly didn't notice the first time that she was dropping a lipstick into her bag. Mm -hmm. I thought she was like almost going to touch her. Yeah, because that's that's like her body language is like she's physically holding herself back from like actually like grabbing her and touching her and being like, I'm here. And then the second one is when at the hotel they're staring well, they're not staring through the door at each other. Villanelle's staring through the peephole at Eve, and Eve is just sort of looking towards the door and being like, oh, shit. Yes, she's, she's like, I can sense her presence. Yes. Which, like, yeah, even Villanelle staring at each other through a closed door is, like, this show condensed into a single image. Exactly. And it's just an incredibly tense moment. Yeah. And we just want to, you know, every near miss between Eve and Villanelle is kind of, like, the friction on which this show runs. Yes. So we wanted to fold that into the scene of the week. Yes, but it counts. We don't have to follow the rules. We don't, but we do. <laughs> we do have this next itemize <laughs> all the things that Jodie Comer can do to us. This is Jodie Comer can. Our favorite segment. Favorite segment. <laughs> Without further ado, Jodie Comer can attempt to sabotage my job through repeated prank phone calls about my classroom misconduct. I wish you'd gotten an example of one of those. I really want to know like what specifically she's saying about Nico. I'm sure it's I feel horrible. like it's very creative, it, yes. <laughs> yeah, she really, yeah, she wouldn't do anything like super basic. Also the little girl voice that she uses. Uh, is another great accent. Chilling. <laughs> Jody Comer can bum cigarettes off me in a high school stairwell, neg me repeatedly, and coach me on the subtle art of manipulating a married man. <laughs> As she mentions, she really knows what it's like to pine after someone married. She does. She so does. Just... And they could really help each other. This kind of made sense for them. It's a strategic alliance. Yes. Jody Comer can call out my counterfeit fashion in an Irish accent before strangling me to death with it in an elevator. What a way to go. You know, you got Jody, you got the fashion. You got— Listen, he led <laughs> a very boring life in finance. He did. This is probably the most exciting he thing peaked. that ever happened to You're him. You're totally right. Jody Comer can buy me coated cosmetics with hidden weapons that will seriously injure my face when I attempt to use them. Yeah, really striking final image there. It also reminded me of, like, did you also have paranoid suburban parents who thought, like, there was razors hidden in your Halloween candy? 100%. You and you, you had to, to check if uh-huh. it was unwrapped at all. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is like, that. what if that actually happened— but with makeup, I know. I was yeah. horrifying. Also, I looked up to see if this lipstick was available for purchase, and I could not find it. But if anyone knows. Love in an elevator. If it's out there. That sounded like an, more like an OPI nail polish shade to me. It's a name of a song. I believe it was 
ACDC? Could have been Aerosmith. I don't really remember. My focus was some, more on finding the lipstick. man band <laughs> from the 80s. It's fine. Um, and I could not find the lipstick. So if anyone knows if it's actually out there, Sans Razor. Please let me know. Yes. But speaking of cosmetics, uh, this was the triumphant resurgence thank of God. Fit of the Week. Thank God. As we wanted, as we deserve. Yes. Last week was, as we mentioned, just not great so in, tough. in terms of the fashion plate perspective. But now the Villanelle has a budget again. A card attached to her room. Yeah. Actually, maybe we should. <laughs> There's a great moment where she sorts out who exactly is going to be paying for her brand new wardrobe uh-huh. that we should maybe revisit now. Yes. These deliveries came for you. There's a girl downstairs waiting to be paid. Is there a card attached to my room? Yes. But Put it on that. My boss Raymond said he would pay for anything I want. I'm quite sure. It's rather a lot. Yes. Add it to the bill. <laughs> That last, like that last line, she has so many of those little lines in this Add episode. It to the bill and the face she makes, where she's like, "Oh!" She does this too when she pulls these pants out of this bag. Yeah, she goes like, oh. while she is face masking. Which again, <laughs> thank you, Killing Eve, for being attentive to the skincare routines of women. Also, yes. Jodie Comer, leak it. Unbelievable skin. Um, I have to assume face masks are part of her process. IRL. But yeah, so the first fit of the week is she pulls these silver pants out of one of these bags that she's just purchased. And they're like, like not spangled, but they're like very much shiny, shiny, sparkly. They've got like ruffles a little bit. And the unbelievable part is when you see the completed outfit, they're not even necessarily the most attention-getting element. No, no. So she's got the silver pants. She has this like purple roughly blouse buttoned all the way up and then a blazer over the top that has horses, like a print of horses. Yes, it's already like a very equestrian silhouette. Yes. It's already riffing on the rider thing. But yeah. then you get that. And then giant black boots again, which is always a great. And I love her in braids. Whenever she has, pulls out the braids, you know shit's about to go down. Oh, yeah. And it's like she puts her hair up, but like never, there's never a casual ponytail. There's no. always some like elaborate pleating going on. Yeah. Also, we don't really get to see a lot of it, but there is a moment where she is ominously spying on Nico at his school and mm-hmm. observing the inklings of that Gemma flirtation. Yes. And at first you're like, oh my God, is she going to like pull out a blow dart and just like poison him? <laughs> you never know. What's happening? But you're also like, wow, what is that amazing black blouse you're wearing? Yeah, it's got like shoulder puffs. And then she's, again, got her hair like twisted back into like a fancy updo. Oh, thank God we're back, honestly. I know. I mean, like, even when she's not necessarily dressing for herself. Right. Woman loves a costume. She really does. A little macaroni art. That was commitment. That was like a craft project. Incredible. She kind of does like this art teacher, like Professor Trelawney cosplay. Yes, we both were like, (laughs) oh my God, it's like the kooky divination teacher from Harry Potter. It really is. She's got like the wig and the like caftan and the glasses and the macaroni necklace. And that's what she wears to go to the school. Which, yeah, again, even like her costumes are like... She's back on her bullshit, and I'm so happy. Yes. Obviously, Villanelle is the focus of this segment, yes. but this, she is not the only fashion plate. She is not. Eve is wearing, notably, the dress that she was online shopping for last episode uh-huh. that looks a hell of a lot like the dress Villanelle bought for her last season. It sure does. And she looks great in it. She does look great. Yes, yeah, so this knew. is the one that Nico was like, that one's sexy, so she wears it to drinks. It looks great. Honestly, that color blue shows up so much throughout this episode. Carolyn also wears this incredible, like, dark 
teal turquoise jumpsuit at the end when she's lecturing Eve, which we're going to get to in a minute. Kenny has the same color on, actually, in that scene. Wow, good eye. Yeah. I believe I believe Honestly, the pros call this a color story. It's great. I'm really into that, like, teal, so that maybe that's why I noticed. And then, of course, shout out to that guy's extraordinarily strong fake tie. If you're working <laughs> at a hedge fund, why do you need fake fashion? It's a great point. It I, just occurred to me, and it makes no sense. It, yeah. Yet more reasons why he clearly he deserved, deserved to die. absolutely deserved what he got. So we actually have a lot of candidates this week for the rat holding a Coke can award for excellent dialogue, but (laughs) this this segment rightfully belongs to Carolyn, so... It really does. Maybe we should start with Carolyn's shining moment from this episode. More wine. It's made by Sam Neill, of all people from New Zealand. You know, the the film star, Jurassic Park. I know who he is. (laughs) If you do not follow Sam Neill on Twitter... It is truly like a bomb in this terrible world. It really is. So he has this whole like very internet popular thing on Twitter where he like is on a farm and he has pigs and he has wine and grapes. And like it's been really like a popular thing for like probably a couple years. I honestly, I just thought he was like some random farmer that everyone decided they really love. And then I, it took me a while to connect the dots that this is that Sam Neill. Uh-huh. Because Sam Neill is like a very normal name and also makes a lot of sure. sense for like some random New Zealand sheep farmer to be like, yo, I'm <laughs> Sam Neill. He literally but, like tweeted about his grapes yesterday. Like I was just on Twitter was and I was great, like, oh, there it is. <laughs> I say a recent highlight was he was talking about pig farts at one point. Oh my God. And how, you know, they're really smelly, but the pigs are adorable. So it's worth it. But <laughs> someone else who's very aware of this apparently, apparently is Carolyn. Carolyn's into his Twitter. I love it. And then we also have another great quote from the whole stairway scene with Villanelle sort of manipulating Gemma was just full of gems. <laughs> yes. Especially this part. And you can do nothing and die alone. Do you have cats? I have. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you should just get another. Absolutely savage. <laughs> I, my favorite part of that scene is at one point Gemma's like, isn't that kind of manipulative? And then Villanelle is like, yeah, that's why it works. And then she just proceeds to like blatantly manipulate this person into doing exactly what she wants. Yeah. Poor Gemma. She just didn't know what she yeah. was getting into. <laughs> I don't think we've seen the last of her, although I think it's very possible we might have seen the last of her before the end of the season. Yeah. I don't yeah. think this is going to end well for basically anyone involved. Probs not. Maybe we should, on the more serious end of the Carolyn spectrum. Yes. So we've seen her and Constantine, but then at the end of the episode when Constantine and Villanelle have escaped, she kind of dresses down Eve in very scary boss fashion. Yes. I don't normally get angry, Eve. It makes me feel sleepy, so you just have to imagine that I sound rather angry when I say this. Never, ever go behind my back again. Ever. You are by no means the only person I work with, but you take up a disproportionate amount of my time. And my time is very valuable to me. I have hobbies. Do you understand that, Eve? Yes. I have. Are you sure? (laughs) She has hobbies. Sorry, I cut her off. (laughs) Wow, I felt like ice cold. She has hobbies. Okay, quick break. What (laughs) hobbies do we think Carolyn has? God, I have no idea. I, I was like formulating some guesses. Beautiful table, maybe woodworking. Oh, sure. I could see it. Maybe scrapbooking. Oh, 
Why not? All her three husbands. Maybe she likes to cook. You know, first of all, she would be a great cook because she's just great at following directions and very organized. Obviously has a great eye. I'm sure has a great Beautiful palette. kitchen in which to spend yeah. time. I also feel like scrapbooking is a good guess because she loves, like, nostalgia and, like, reliving old stories. Like, or just itemizing things, like keeping track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those all feel, like, solid. I mean, she's she contains multitudes. She's I know. a renaissance I'm sure woman. it'll just be something, like, even more unexpected that, like, retrospectively <laughs> will make so much sense. I really hope they tell us what her hobbies are. I, <laughs> I'm not optimistic, but we can all always hold out hope. <laughs> So there were a couple that I really liked from the reunion with Eve and Constantine in the hotel room. Big moment. Huge moment. Yeah. So she comes up in the elevator and she's been told that there's someone else in the hotel. You don't know if it's someone threatening to her. You don't know if it's another assassin. Yeah, I assumed it was like the ghost was in town at first. Same. And so she comes out of the elevator, sees this room with the door open. Constantine. And it's not clear if there actually is like grandiose Russian music playing or whether it's just like in Villanelle's head. I could see either given the two people we're dealing with. Yes, but she starts, she has a knife out. She starts running towards him. Yes, imagine Villanelle sprinting down the hallway with a knife out. And a very scary expression. Like it was not clear what she was going to do. And then she just envelops him in a bear hug. This is a terrible hug. Then maybe you shouldn't have shot me. I'm not still mad about that. I aimed to make sure I didn't kill you. No, you didn't. You aimed at my heart. Yeah, I did. Mm. Oops. Yeah, I did. Oops, I shot you. (laughs) Why are you mad at me? Oh, it's just a perfect... I just love their relationship. I missed it. I'm so happy they're back together. I don't think it's the greatest choice on Constantine's part. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's not the careful move, as Carolyn would say. But it was so satisfying to see her hug him. She was so happy to see him. It's very touching. And Uh, also, we finally get a resolution. I mean, we didn't think Raymond was going to last that long to begin with. Right. Especially when he, like, all but, like, openly threatened Eve in front of Villanelle. And if you get between Villanelle and her girlfriend... Yep. It's not smart. <laughs> not smart. But it was also very nice to see Constantine, like, very jealous of Raymond and asking about how he was. How is it without me? I love it. Oh, wow. Yeah, Raymond is the best. He is so much fun. Really hilarious and, uh, well, kind of sexy, too. <laughs> I would say jealousy was a big theme this episode. Yeah, you're you're probably right. Yeah, it's so funny how, like, she envelops him in a bear hug, and then she's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to pretend, like, you're not my favorite person. I'm, like, the, one of the few people I care about in this whole world. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, like, both Raymond and Constantine at different points in the episode basically use the ghost at, to taunt Villanelle and be right. like, Eve is not focused on you anymore. Yes. And Villanelle is like, no, evil, no, it was me. <laughs> yeah, she's pissed about that. Yeah, and that was a big moment with her and Raymond. And then it's just fun to see Constantine and Villanelle, like, talking about him and being like... Yeah, and apparently <laughs> Raymond, like, <laughs> supposedly is not paid in cash. He's paid in the ability to murder the assassins, like, exhausted racehorses. As if we didn't hate him enough. <laughs> just not a pleasant dude. Extremely I'm glad. Extremely unpleasant. We won't be spending that much time around him. I really hope he shows up just to be murdered. Well, yeah, it's weird because, like, I guess the 12 are, like, maybe supposed to be a significant plot element, but at this point, if Villanelle isn't working for them and the ghost isn't working for them, although maybe they're just going to hire the ghost to replace Villanelle. Yeah. 
do we care about Raymond and his shitty friends? I feel like he will be back and she will murder him in some amazing way. I'm really hoping. Yeah, we'll just fantasize about that until it happens. But with Constantine and Villanelle's escape, I guess that basically brings us up to date on the episode. Eve has, you know, Eve is still looking for the ghost, has sort of successfully, not really successfully found Villanelle. Villanelle has now escaped and Constantine offers to go freelance, which another relatable workplace moment. (laughs) Villanelle immediately responds, there's not enough money in freelance. (laughs) Yeah, there's not. But who knows, maybe in Assassin World there is, and I guess they're going to find out. Yes, and they go out by singing Listen to Your Heart in the Car, and there's a wonderful moment where Villanelle breathes onto the window and says help and starts, like, making a pained face. (laughs) And Constantine is like, what is wrong with you? Do you really want to be attracting attention right now? And Villanelle, in true Villanelle fashion, is like, yes. Yes, I always want to attract attention. (laughs) Why would I ever not want attention? What are you talking about? Especially from my girlfriend who may be distracted right now, and I need to fix that. Yes. So... There were also some developments outside the world of Killing Eve this week. There were. It was very eventful on the show and off the show. So first of all, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the creator and still executive producer of the show, is apparently going to be doing punch-up work on the 25th James Bond film at Daniel Craig's specific request, which I am choosing to read as Rachel Wise's specific request through Daniel Craig. Absolutely. Absolutely. I First of all, I love a power couple of taste, which clearly they are. We if stand. They, if they brought in PWB. But yeah, I... Just in my head, like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge working on a Bond script is just wild, and I love it. Yes. My first reaction is get that check. My second reaction, to be perfectly candid, is we already know what a Phoebe Waller-Bridge version of James Bond would be. It is called Killing Eve. Eve. It (laughs) exists. We love it. It's amazing. If the new James Bond does not come at me with, like, sexy female assassins and, like, weird homoerotic tension that makes that Javier Bardem scene look like child's play. (laughs) I am not here for it. It's a great point. We can't do any better than what we already have. Yes. Also outside the world of Killing Eve this week, literally today... It was nominated for a Peabody. Yeah. I don't fully understand what the Peabody Awards are, if we're being fully honest. Same. But... it It won a Peabody. Yes. They just... They don't, like, nominate things. They just announce oh, gotcha, shows gotcha, gotcha. that won it. But it's honestly a great list. It's in great company. Hannah Gadsby's in Nanette, The Good Place, Barry, Pose, uh, the Patriot Acts, The Americans. Yeah, this also seems, I guess, was this for, like, the calendar year of 2018? Because a lot of this stuff mm, happened probably. a long time ago. That feels right. So this was technically for the first season, but it's always good to see our faves recognized. It is. One more fun thing outside the world of Killing Eve this week. Fiona Shaw published a track. Travel Diary in the Financial Times. Okay, I'm just going to be straight up. I don't subscribe to the Financial Times, and I could not figure out how to get around the paywall. It was extremely (laughs) difficult, but I did manage to read it, and I'm going to share some highlights. Thank you. It seems like Fiona Shaw is just like Carolyn, but nicer, (laughs) which is exactly what you want her to be. She's incredible, and I'm obsessed with her. Um, But there were two moments that she wrote about that I need to share. So first, she was talking about taking a vacation to Dorset with her wife before the press tour. Lovely. And this is what she wrote. I'm literally just going to read it because I can't do any better than what she did. Flamelit by the sinking sun are the Jurassic cliffs, undulating like the 200-million-year-old vertebrae dinosaur fossils they hold. I can barely imagine one million years. Here you are, made to contemplate the terrifying and comforting notion that the planet is so old and our consciousness so recent, but less comforting, possibly. Our stay, quite brief. 
What a literary imagination. <laughs> I love her so much. Fiona Shaw joined the Killing Eve writer's room, honestly. Please, please. And then, of course, I had to say this. She talked about working with a stylist to figure out her press tour looks for, like, promoting the beginning of the season. Yes. We go through the various looks for the opening. This handbag with that dress. This underwear with that outfit. These trousers. I look longingly at the garden. When we're done, I run out and plant a clematis and soak my tiny rectangle of vegetable patch. The birds will have nested when I return. I expect the foxes will run riot, as they do, until I, the outsider, will intrude again after the red carpet and Hollywood and the assault course of interviews. Assault course. Incredible. Wow. Uh, do we think gardening is Carolyn's secret hobby, maybe? Maybe. Maybe it's like a crossover. Oh. Fiona can use her real-life skills. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, so I take it uh, being on the watch with Chris Ryan was not one of her stops on this travel diary. I mean, maybe that's part of the assault course of interviews. Maybe. That we'll, probably We'll take that as a shout-out. You should definitely <laughs> listen to that interview regardless. It's very good. She's insanely yes. charming. She's wonderful. Also, just like one last note, I finally broke into my Fleabag season two screen I'm just going to like blatantly flex that privilege. Do it. it. It's already aired in the UK. So I imagine, I imagine it is obtainable by certain, shall we say, extra legal means. Flex away. But it is incredible. Oh my gosh. And Fiona Shaw is in it for one episode. Oh shit. Yeah. She shows up as Fleabag's very temporary therapist. Oh my God. But she just like flexes that Fiona Shaw energy all up in there. So that's something everyone has to look forward to May 17th on Prime. Watch it, watch it, watch it. For now, to hold us over until the next episode, we have a few predictions. We do. Um, So we talked about how this is kind of a refreshing return to Villanelle in the field, but now we have Villanelle and Constantine in the field doing whatever the fuck they want, which is great. But it is kind of a return to, like, the dynamics from season one. We kind of had, like, weird crossover alliances for a while, and now we're back to Constantine and Villanelle killing people and on the run from... Eve and Carolyn and the MI6 squad. Yes. My prediction for the next episode was just basically every single one of the first three episodes has contained some huge status quo shift for Villanelle. So, Mm -hmm. like, she was in a hospital, and then she was in some creepy MRA dude's (laughs) house, and then she was working for the 12 again. And now it feels like we're finally in a kind of stable place where it's like, okay, like, she's going to be a working assassin out in the world having fun, witty banter with Constantine. And, like, it took a lot of positioning to get her there, mm-hmm. where Eve has just been kind of, like, back with MI6. Right, exactly. The <laughs> so they're on the same page again. And then my prediction is, we've got to meet the ghost one of these days. It feels like soon. Like, they've really been talking her up a lot. Feels like she and Vilna have to run into each other. My prediction is that they will get the same target in the next episode and run into each other on the job. Do we think we're going to get Villanelle Ghost hand-to-hand combat? I fucking hope so. That's really, yeah. Some martial arts, I think, is like the action this show has been missing. Yeah. I think Jodie Comer is definitely up to it. I (laughs) would love for that to happen. I want the ghost to be like extremely like straight to the point and Villanelle just like being her like weird ass self. Yeah, Villanelle's a showboat. I need that in my life. And that's what I want in the next episode. I know it's coming. It has to be coming. I want it to happen, like, from them, like, competing to kill the same person. Maybe, like, some random passerby is, like, trying to escape both of them, and it's just like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Like, just kill me already? (laughs) Yeah, like, the two of them are just, like, bickering, like, vultures over a corpse. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, wait, um... 
who is the guy who Villadol murdered and put his dick in his mouth in the safe house? Frank. Frank. Yes, like Frank. They're yes. Just gonna, Frank just is just going like, to be like, oh. what the hell is happening? I'm terrified for my life, but also strangely oh. aroused and maybe yeah. a little confused. Um, I haven't seen the next episode, so I really hope this happens Neither now. of us have. We're if just, it, it happens exactly like this, we're geniuses and we're, we, I promise we aren't cheating. I know, we we're projecting. It. The Killing Eve writers are missourcing from our subconscious. Yes, I really but want that. Until then, Ugh. much like Villadol and Constantine, we're going to go out to the dulcet tones of Listen to Your Heart, the Swedish hit from 1988. Leave it. What? I like it. Listen to your heart.